0: Peace, y'all, and welcome to Gathering Heal, the podcast. My name is Vanessa Suhey, and I am your holistic host. Basically, we're going to have lots of combos. Sometimes it'll be just me, and sometimes we'll have some guests. No matter what the topic is, though, I'm going to make sure that it connects right back to your emotional wellness and healing journey. Hello, hello, everyone. It is Vanessa Suhey here, CEO and founder of Gather and Heal, the podcast. And I am super excited to have yet another guest joining. Uh, We've got Faith here, who's going to talk to us a little bit today about sleep and in relation to stress and anxiety. And when I saw this topic come through, Faith, when you put that in there and the RSVP to come on the podcast, I was like, oh, yes because actually, oddly enough, I haven't, no one else has talked about sleep. And it's, it's really interesting because I know in my individual practice that the discussion of sleep comes up all the time. It's one of my first questions for people. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I feel like there's so many, so many ways that sleep and anxiety and stress can go. But before we jump into all that juicy stuff, Tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are your people? What do you do for a living? What do you enjoy doing for fun? Let's start there.
1: Sure, so um, again, I'm Dr. Bettis McGowan. I'm a licensed psychologist from Texas. Um, I'm currently in North Carolina. I've been here for about 18 months. So I'm still exploring the East Coast, Mm. which has been awesome. Yes, um, and I things that I do for fun, so I have two children um and we and a partner and we enjoy hiking um oh. swimming, and just kind of being outside. Um, mm-hmm. it was pretty hot in Texas, so we <laughs> um which people think it's pretty hot here, but um, mm-hmm. it's been it's not the same. It's been, nice (laughs) no yeah there's you can't compare um we've just been yeah spending a lot of time outside and um yeah just doing those kind of things and then in terms of sleep and anxiety i previously worked at a large va clinic in south texas Mm. um and that's where i really became interested interested in sleep it wasn't something i actually studied Oh. In graduate school, um, I did I did do a lot of work with anxiety, but mm-hmm. sleep and anxiety just seem like they go together very I well. Sure I do and it's <laughs> like if you can affect one or the other, like it, it can help with both. Absolutely. So, um, especially with veterans, I I noticed that. It's, typically a lot of the work was around trauma and PTSD, which makes Mm -hmm. a lot of sense. Um, But they had been doing a lot of research on sleep. And what if we just look at sleep and just target Mm. the sleep? Does that help the anxiety go down even without even touching the trauma or the anxiety? Um, Even though in sleep work, you still would address anxiety, um, but maybe not specifically the trauma. Um, And I think that was, it was really nice to see what an impact that had on that community and the vi worked with was predominantly latino um, mm-hmm. so i think most mostly because we it was right next to the mexico border so mostly mexican american um puerto rican and then mm-hmm. some other some other um from different latin american countries yeah um and so i think that was something that was different that Mm. came on right so the approach is going to be different um
0: as it should be
1: (laughs) yes absolutely and that was when i did my training so i did two trainings on um cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia so i did an initial training just on an individual treatment level but then also on a group level Mm. um and so in both i had um in the group yeah i don't think i had any females it was all all latino males um in the group and then individually i worked with a number of different veterans but um but the in my training that that wasn't there wasn't a whole lot of research on like what is the impact of cbti Mm. with the latinx population um so i really just kind of had to make some adjustments on my own to fit what I was kind of doing with them. Um, oh yeah.
0: I feel like there's there's so much of that, right? As clinicians, when we're doing the work well, ethically and appropriately, we do have to make adaptations, especially if others before, before, bleh, before us. <laughs> Not enough coffee in my system yet today. <laughs> haven't made it specific to the populations that we're working with. And so I I love that you were able to pay attention to that and say, okay, I hear what the research is, and I hear what CBTI has been doing. And here's a way we need to make some adaptations to fit the people that are sitting across from me and the people that I'm working with.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because I, I think with CBTI and making changes with sleep. This is often things that we've been doing maybe our whole lives. We've been, Mm. we have these routines around sleep. And maybe that's even something that was passed down with your family on like what that sleep um, routine your sleep hygiene looks like. So if someone Mm -hmm. comes in like myself and they're like, who is this person who's going to tell me that this is going to make my sleep better? Um, right. <laughs> so, and, and, you know, rightfully so there's a lot of skepticism, like, is this really going to work? Is this going to be helpful? I have tried mm-hmm. so many different things and nothing has really touched my insomnia or my sleep problems. Um, and Can so I think part of that was example? just like,
0: oh, sorry, sure, go, go ahead. On. Well, I was just going to ask for an example of, you know, breaking it down for people who are listening, what can insomnia look like? And our three pillars are mind, body, and emotion. So, if you can kind of explain to us, maybe what does it sound like? What are some of the thoughts that are going through people's head when they're struggling with insomnia? What's happening with their body? Um, and then emotionally, what might be coming up?
1: Sure. Yeah. So, with um, insomnia, I'll typically, in, in your lifespan the chances of you having insomnia or, or problems with sleep are pretty high um even just kind of in in um like looking at the population as a whole mm-hmm. um usually what happens is there's some kind of stressful event that disrupts your sleep and so that could be um something like you know having getting in a divorce mm-hmm. um have you know, having a big move or a large change, you, losing a job. Um, so it really could be something that could happen to anyone. And for some individuals that some uh, an event like that happens, their sleep is disrupted for maybe like a week or two and then they're able to get back on track. Um, mm. But there's a lot of other individuals where you tr- you start to make changes to compensate for the lack of sleep and it's those changes you make that keep the insomnia problems going. Um and they make sense. It makes sense that you're like okay, this when you don't sleep, it it feels and I, you mentioned kind of the body like it really takes a toll on your body. Um oh, yeah. and and your mental health um just like that connection between your mood and and your sleep um is so <laughs> important. So I think it makes a lot of sense that this doesn't feel good. I feel terrible. How can I make these adjustments to get my sleep better? So mm-hmm. I might start taking naps during the day to catch up with sleep. I might drink more coffee. <laughs> um nice. to do that. And and so these are probably all all things that I've done myself. Um <laughs> I, you're I'm guilty exhausted? too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna, yeah, I'm gonna take that midday nap. And sometimes that, you know, is like an hour or two long. Um, and those kinds of things end up affecting your sleep and making it worse. Um, and then it just becomes like a vicious cycle of doing these changes. Maybe I'm I'm sleeping in some days, I'm um doing other things to help try and keep me awake, but then those are gonna make it harder to wind down Mm -hmm. before that time. Um and
0: and when we start doing those so consistently, like you had said, that's how it drags it out and then it becomes normal. Right. I always I say to clients, I'm like, listen, if I didn't have a good night's sleep, you don't want to be sitting with me the next day because I I can't think straight. Right. Like it's harder to track my thoughts or even earlier in this episode where I couldn't even get a word out. (laughs) And, you know, I'm thinking about how this past week has been really challenging because I have a toddler. He's three years old or he'll be three next week.
1: Hmm. And
0: he's been navigating a really really bad what started out as a virus and then now is an infection mm-hmm. and i've been so tired because he's up consistently in the middle of the night and i noticed how it was impacting my body my body was super achy um i haven't had enough energy or motivation to do a workout and like move my body because lack of sleep mm-hmm. and those power naps or the naps in the middle of the day you were talking about? Yes. I love me a good 20, 30 minute power nap in the middle of the day. (laughs) So, um, and then emotionally I I could tell too, I was just feeling really, really frustrated, I think is the best word Um, and having less patience with a lot of things that I normally have a good amount of patience for. And You know, I I think that I fall into that category where you're talking about like people can reset within a couple of weeks because I generally can. But I also know that that's not the case for a lot of people. And it's become so normalized, I think too, in society to go take a nap or have three to five cups of coffee a day and also not even paying attention to how late they're drinking coffee and its impact on the body.
1: Which I think, especially for the the Latinx community, coffee is like a life source. So it's so, and you could drink coffee at any time of the day. If you you have company, there's not a cutoff limit for that. But then that does, because caffeine has such a long kind of life in your body, it really Mm -hmm. can stay with you. And that makes it hard to unwind um naturally when it's time for you to get ready for bed um right. so that's one thing i think that yeah like that that you would want to consider um some of these habits they're they're just like what you do you don't even think about well what right. will what will that do Cultural. to my sleep if i have this coffee at 7 p.m. right
0: i can't even tell you how many times i go home and i'm going home tomorrow to visit my parents up north and they have cafe throughout the day at mm-hmm. the end of you know especially after dinner papi's looking for his cafecito and he has that straight espresso That's and sure. then i'm looking at him at one o'clock in the morning i was like no wonder you're not asleep right
1: it's just part of what you do right right
0: and mm-hmm. he's found ways to navigate around it actually now that we're talking about it and i'm thinking about it He will drink his coffee throughout the day, go to bed late, wake up early, then go back to sleep, and then he'll have a nap later in the day. But then I say that, and I'm thinking about culturally again taking a siesta in the Dominican Republic. That's what my father is also used to.
1: That's a a really good point. So that's another piece when we think about the CBTI, you know, and obviously they don't make any mention of. Of like the cultural norm around napping mm-hmm. that I don't think I ever saw that in the manual, but you're right. So we <laughs> we, we need to consider just yeah what happens um, yeah. So in some of these countries also like in Europe around taking this long break during the day, mm-hmm. um, what that can do and naturally and I'm wondering too even that might have just started because naturally with our like circadian rhythm and sleep clock around after lunch our body naturally like we start to have that dip yeah. we feel it we all feel that natural dip so it makes sense like that's the time where i i most want to crawl into my bed and
0: mm-hmm. and to
1: take a nap i'm um, like you're and, and even like your your temperature changes like your body temperature changes and there's so many things that are going on um and so i think you can I, I know you mentioned like the power nap like you know doing a 20 30 minute and typically kind of what they find that 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 can be okay especially if you are going to be maybe doing some driving or you're doing something that you, it would require you to have a little bit more energy if you struggle mm-hmm. with insomnia and sleep that might cause more issues um because sometimes that ends up you end up extending that 20 minute to like mm-hmm. an hour or two hours um and I compare that to kind of like snacking. So if you snack mm. throughout the day, you're not going to be as hungry come lunch or dinner time. It takes away right. from your body's natural hunger for sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, so we really I want like to. And that. I think you you could still have that relaxation time. Like if you're saying like, I want to have that two o'clock break. I think mm-hmm. that makes a lot of sense. Um, mm-hmm. And you could still find time to do yeah, some some kind of relaxing activity where you're, you know, curled up on, on like a lounger, you know, right. Doing you ain't doing it. You could be yeah doing a meditation, reading a book. I mean, something that's still relaxing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if you have sleep or insomnia problems, the more that you can avoid those longer naps, it it can really help you to have that better, more restful night of sleep.
0: Right. So what I I actually. As we're talking about it some more, and you're dropping in some of these pieces of information, I'm like, I recognize this information. I forgot I had actually taken a training about insomnia and talking about it and providing some um, information and techniques and so on and so forth a few years ago. But hearing you talk about like our body temperature dropping, and you know, it's our our bodies in a circadian rhythm around a certain time of day, generally after lunch, we start to dip a little bit. Um and I notice one of the things that I actually really like to do and I talk to my clients about, so I'd love to hear your feedback is around that end of the day, my end of the day, I stop seeing clients around two, three o'clock generally. I actually I step outside and I, you know, ground myself. If I can, I take ah, my shoes off. Great. I look around, I let my eyes stretch into the sky and just kind of like look, gaze. And soak in the sun, right? Mm-hmm. So those those are just kind of things that I feel like have been able to, quote unquote, wake me back up and give me this like second wind for the day. Um, what are some other small tips and tricks that you've shared with clients to help them navigate this, what could feel like a slump in the middle of the day?
1: Sure. Yeah, because it, sometimes it can feel really hard. It's hard to get past that. Feeling mm-hmm. it can be very overpowering sometimes. Um, but I think that's a, a great idea. A- any Anytime you go outside and um get connected, and this that's actually something I think when I was growing up, that wasn't there wasn't a big focus on like outdoors and mm-hmm. you know nature and going on walks, um, which is something I've tried to learn more about as I have gotten older but i think that wasn't like the focus was more on like just you know survive getting things done you know working doing you know that kind of thing and so it, it didn't leave a lot of space for that, that oh. kind of thing. but i think that's a great point that even something as simple as like stepping outside your house or your office mm-hmm. to get some sunlight um, you don't actually have to do like a a full meditation but even just like going out and like taking some deep breaths you know smelling in um the air getting mm-hmm. feeling that warmth on your skin yes. all those like sensory ways um but typically we, we talk about things that are like more alerting versus not a, not alerting mm-hmm. and so those that also comes up right before bed so during the time that you do want to be alert, things that are going to keep you awake that you would want to avoid doing them right before bed. So like if there is like mm. a show that you're really into, a book that's like you you're like what well, you can't put that <laughs> book down. Yeah. We we'll, we want to avoid doing that before bedtime. Cuz obviously that's just going to make it hard for you to unwind. But you might want to use some of those strategies mm. during those slump part of the day if you can. Obviously some people you're working and you can't. take time to go watch your favorite show um (laughs) but we want to look at things that are more alerting and then before bedtime um some of those relaxation strategies can be really helpful um i usually recommend there's um because since i did a lot of my training was from the va they have actually an excellent app that i recommend because it's free um which i like and it has in the app so it's called CBTI Coach. Um, and it has a bunch of strategies about sleep, and it also has re- like relaxation built into the app. so there's like a little mm-hmm. yoga person that you click on, and in there it has um guided meditations, it has deep breathing or diaphragmatic breathing, and I think pro- progressive muscle relaxation and and they mm-hmm. keep adding to it. I think they maybe have added even more. Um, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so and it's nice because it's like in your phone, you take it everywhere, uh, which can also be an issue with sleep. But in this way, it <laughs> can don't. be helpful um, to practice this even. So usually, what I recommend is to practice outside of just like right before bedtime. You want to pr- get build that muscle, so you would practice it right um, throughout the day at any point. Um, but let's say you don't have the time, but you want to have um that wind down time. Usually, we recommend mm-hmm. at least thirty minutes up to an hour um depending how maybe stressful your day has been but at least 30 minutes Mm. of winding down doing non alerting relaxing things so yeah think um reading if it is a little bit not of a a type of book that you can't put down um avoiding those bright lights so avoiding Mm. your phone which i know is so hard these days i think most people usually are on their phone maybe right before they go to bed they Turn mm-hmm. off your phone and then you get into bed and you go to sleep. Um and that typically, especially if you have anxiety, that doesn't help. Um mm-hmm. and that might kind oh, of keep things going. So finding those activities for you and some people I've they've given me great ideas of things you can do that would be that aren't like using your phone, they're and they're not a alerting. Um mm-hmm. I think some of the cooler ones I've heard are, um, like those, those coloring books, those adult coloring books.
0: Oh, those are so fun. I love them.
1: (laughs) I've never, I've never tried them, but they look really, I've had several patients say, no, like it's, it's a great thing to do before bed because it like, it's just like a kind of can be like a mindless task.
0: Exactly.
1: Um, and, and so that's kind of what, what we'd be looking for things like, yeah, like knitting or things that you can use your hands that help to, to wind down that aren't going to keep you awake. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: And not thinking too hard. Yeah.
1: You don't want anything that is going to maybe make you cue, you know, like a cue (laughs) about something really negative that happened that day or, you know, something stressful at work. It is. Yeah. You just kind of want to let your, your brain naturally wind down. Um, Mm. and and it helps you to focus on your body's natural cues for sleep Uh, and Mm. that's really hard because if you are focused on a screen you're watching a show you you (laughs) start to lose that um, those like observations of oh I'm starting to get drowsy my I'm yawning my eyes are getting heavy usually we kind of fight that maybe we're We're like ignoring those signals. Um, But I think Mm -hmm. when you you have that recharge period, you're more likely to pay attention to those signals. Mm. And then you're saying, okay, I'm ready to get into bed.
0: Yes. And so what you're talking about, there's a couple of pieces. There's the piece around recognizing that if that day in particular has been really stressful, that Mm -hmm. it can impact your ability to wind down and you need to maybe what I like to say is be gentle with yourself and give yourself permission to have more of a wind down time that evening. And then this, what I, why the body is so connected into gather and heal is primarily because we have uh, so many people have such a disconnect from their body. And here's an example of it, of missing our cues and having maybe ignored our cues for sleep for so long that we, yawn and like half didn't even notice it. We're so into the show or like whatever it is that we're doing. Um, so I really I really appreciate you bringing that in that there's there's so many layers to this that we have to pay attention to what's happening throughout our day, that work and family and friends and society, and there's lots of things happening. And how do we give ourselves our minds that ease to say, I need to pause now. I need rest. So that way i can further connect and more deeply connect with my body and restore it by giving it what it what it needs which is sleep right i tell my clients i'm like you're not gonna get in your car when it's on e right you're gonna make sure that there's gas in it well sleep is our gas
1: (laughs) absolutely yeah and i know you had mentioned um that you have a two-year-old and i think that's something that comes up a lot when you have or you have a three-year-old. I have a, two, a two-year-old. a um, 2 That's why I mix it up. But um, I think, especially during that part of motherhood, um, where we, there's like less focus on yourself and mm-hmm. like what you need. And so that, that part, like finding the 30 minutes to recharge before bedtime, you know, you might say, no, I don't, I don't have time for that. I'm going to be cleaning the kitchen, pulling the laundry, I'm going to be, or you're saying like, this is the only time I get to have by myself. So I want to mm. use that doing something um, else. So mm-hmm. sometimes that could be like binge watching shows or, you know, scrolling the internet. Um, and not that there's anything wrong with that, but that also might be a way of like extending that your natural sleep time where your body is maybe tired and like you're feeling some of that drowsiness come on but you're saying no i just Mm -hmm. i just need time to myself i which is totally understandable definitely have been (laughs) there um and just try but then also recognizing well, what happens to my body the next day um, Mm. when i did extend that you know extra hour um so i lost an hour of sleep i was up binging something Mm -hmm. and you know how how am i feeling i know you had mentioned like the irritability so for me that's that's a big one that if Mm -hmm. i don't sleep um (laughs) irritability (laughs) irritability is like one of the first things um to come out i think anxiety can increase quite a Mm -hmm. bit depression is often linked with poor Mm. sleep um, and we we already know, especially yeah, with moms in general, like those might be you might be at risk of that just for other factors that are that are going right. on. Um, right. So I think it can be really important to consider that, um, even though I know there's so many other um, things pulling at you when you do have um, young children, even older children too. The, the demands just kind of change.
0: It just changes.
1: <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, there's still there's still things that you you might be worried about before bedtime. Um, <laughs> even though You're not doing the, the yeah, getting up constantly in the middle of the night like with a younger child. Right,
0: right. You know, I actually I found so my son has always had like a really hard time with sleep. And so we had to get a sleep consultant to support us through that.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: it's, it's been truly amazing the impact of stepping back and learning about sleep for children, for infants and now toddler, and it's correlation to adults and sleep and how much, and I say it to my clients all the time, I'm like, listen, we, we had things figured out, right? When we're taking care of children, there are lots of boundaries. There's lots of routines and patterns and things like that. And then I don't know what happens along the way, but we throw all those things out the window and then Mm -hmm. we can't. We have our time sleeping or keeping bedtime routines and morning routines, I think, are also important. Um, so it's been twofold, of course, being yeah. able to relate. <laughs> I'm tired and using it to fuel my information and taking that step all the way back and saying, OK, what are some of the things I do for my son and how do I implement that? <laughs>
1: for myself absolutely yeah and i use that example too just because i think yeah it makes a lot of sense for people even people that don't have children but i'm mm-hmm. like would you just put a baby in the crib and walk away hmm. and say go to bed and and not do all the i don't know 12 steps that you usually do with them before right. bed and they're always like no i would never just put the baby in the bed and just like let them walk away Um, and so that when I talk about that wind down period, that's the same. Yeah, exactly. Kind of what you were talking about, Mm -hmm. um, that with them and my son who's too, he has added so many more steps to his routine. He likes to, he likes to, he likes routine and he likes to have things a certain way. Um, but for him that that's kind of what helps him to feel safe, to relax before bedtime Mm -hmm um with his book he knows what's
0: his, coming
1: yes he does and he knows that and that's what's really interesting how they um they really like routine and he knows exactly what the next step is and if you don't do Ooh. it he will let you know oh you missed, missed it something nope. <laughs> in his routine and will not be happy about it um but that's a good a really good reminder of of mm-hmm. sleep um and i think one of, in, in terms of with children one of the things that came up for me I was lucky enough to never really have sleep problems um up until I was pregnant with him mm-hmm. um even with my my first I didn't um but I was pregnant with him and that's actually when I started getting into sleep and insomnia and so I was able to really connect with my patients cuz I was struggling I had um with with that pregnancy I was constantly up and getting and I'd have a hard time going back to sleep. Every time I'd wake mm. up, go to the back, I, I had a really, a really difficult time. And um, and I think it just made a lot of sense. And I think I, I started putting more pressure on myself. Like, why can't I go to sleep? I have to work mm. tomorrow. I have all these things. Um, and I think that's what happens a lot too, is like the mind is racing. I'm putting so much pressure on sleep, and then it just yes. doesn't come.
0: Nope. And so, the way I like to talk to my clients about that is I'm trained in internal family systems. And how do we talk to those parts, right? Like that part that's keeping us awake in the middle of the night and has us thinking about all the things, our to do list for the next day? How do we be gentle with that part and let it know, like, hey, I know that you're thinking about all the things we have to do. I'm going to jot them down. And I encourage people to have a piece of paper and pen don't put it in your phone. That's not what we're talking about. Put it on (laughs) pen and paper (laughs) and let that part know I've written them down and we'll make a plan for them tomorrow and then try to go back to sleep, right? Because when we're putting pressure on ourselves, I think about it when I'm walking my dog, Nala, if I'm trying to tell her we need to go left, but she's pulling right. If I pull harder left, she's going to pull harder right
1: Mm -hmm. instead of
0: coming down petting her hey girl let's go this way and then she comes with me nicely right that's how we should be treating our parts internally and talking to ourselves um and then of course there's other strategies when you wake up in the middle of the night
1: (laughs) yeah yeah but it's like that um Yeah. Sometimes like that, that harsh critic that says like, what's wrong with me? Like, why can't I go back to sleep? Everyone else is sleeping. Something must be wrong or this anxiety is like too much. And so it's those extra thoughts that kind of keep the anxiety going. And so, and Mm -hmm. anxiety is kind of the, I think about it like it's the opposite of sleep. So what you, Mm -hmm. what you need to be able to fall asleep is like, it's like totally working against your body's natural um drowsiness so that just kind of keeps it, it makes it really hard to be able to fall back mm-hmm. asleep um and your your idea i think is great so like being able to write something down if you feel like you know what it's it's staying stuck so yeah just kind of writing it down saying tomorrow is i can kind of think about it look about it um mm-hmm. i think one of the things that comes up too is that people often will stay in bed when they're having these like racing thoughts mm they're going back and forth and then your bed is starting you start to associate your bed with um with worries and stress and like problem solving and doing all kinds of things so that every time I lay down in my bed I'm gonna be thinking oh this is my time to worry and to like work things out in my life um and mm-hmm. we don't ever want to associate our bed with that um so that's a great right. time to to get out of bed after like 10-15 minutes of You're saying like that worry is going, get out of bed. You could write those things down
0: um, Mm -hmm. and then do
1: some of those like non alerting activities until you start to notice your body's relaxing Um, or actively do something that, you know, is going to help relax, relax your body so that you can start paying attention to those like those drowsy cues um, Mm -hmm. that are waiting to to come back once the the anxiety kind of goes back down.
0: Right. And gives it some space. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, so I, of course, have asked a few questions and so on, but before we start to wind down, is there anything that I didn't ask that you think would be helpful for people to know about anything? Insomnia, CBTI, maybe other apps that you recommend, anything like that?
1: That's a good question. I guess the only thing I can think of it is just kind of knowing that there is support out there. Um, Mm -hmm. I know just in general with at least within my own community, therapy, I think has become more um, people are more accepting now of therapy. Um, And I feel like a sleep is a great way to to like test your your foot in the water. (laughs) you know, it doesn't see, for whatever reason, and I think that's another reason why I like sleep. Is I've had a lot of individuals, and I, especially male individuals, but in general, who have never considered therapy, have never mm. even thought about that. But they say, you know what? I can't sleep, and I want to. I want to sleep better, so I'm willing to try something new. That's
0: the in. <laughs> yes,
1: and so I feel like sleep has been an in for several of um the individuals that I've worked with where they're like, mm-hmm. yeah, let's focus on that. Let's let's get me sleeping better. And then oftentimes other things come up um, in therapy that maybe they have been just kind of suppressing or just trying to live with coping as oh, best they yeah. can as many people do. Um, and I find like that's what's been really rewarding is that I'm hopefully building that trust around helping with sleep but then that kind of carries over into other areas um Mm. so i guess that would be my main thing like if yeah if therapy still seems like a foreign process or it seems like i'm not too sure about that um that would be a great place to start is to find a therapist that that does focus on sleep um Mm -hmm. see what that's like to have that improve and then that might make it feel more safe to work on some other areas that are coming up in your life right
0: once you've started and built that relationship with that therapist that's so true that's a good in
1: (laughs) and that's how yeah because i I think that's one of the things i noticed the most um is that for people that are really hesitant about therapy and maybe rightfully Mm -hmm. so i think because a lot of it has not been directed around how do i approach people of color in therapy Mm -hmm. like how do I make this um just a safe space for them so I think sometimes yeah finding any any way that I can help to to talk about that or to help them feel more safe and comfortable starting the process I think has has been helpful and um yeah so I, I that's that's the one thing that I've noticed with it.
0: Yeah, I like that a lot. And definitely, you know, I'm sure what's helped in building those relationships, too, is what we talked about in the beginning, the fact that you do make adaptations and you are um, culturally aware of some of the things that come up for your clients in the Latino community and make those adaptations that aren't in the manual or aren't in the particular workshops. But we know how they show up for our clients. That's so important. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, definitely oh well thank you so much for joining me today and having this conversation I'm like oh I should do another another episode talking some more about sleep because it's <laughs> such it's such a big one it's such a big topic
1: I know I know yeah I I really enjoyed it I yes can obviously can talk about sleep and anxiety for (laughs) a long time, but I I appreciate you having me, Vanessa. And um, yeah, I'm great to be a part of um, Gather and Heal.
0: Yes, thank you so much. So for all of y'all listening today, thank you for coming through. Thank yourself for coming through and listening. We hope that you got some tips and or if you need more, don't hesitate to reach out. Our contact info is in the show notes and for Dr. Faith Perez-McGowan. Um, got to insert the doctor. That's important. Yeah, the, the Put that in there. She worked hard for that. Um, her All of her contact information will be in our show notes as well. If you'd like to reach out or connect in any way, it will be there for you. So as always, don't be greedy. Share this with the homies. Let people know we're out here. We've got our Healing Connections membership open, five dollars a month for honestly so much richness, so many rich and juicy conversations um, that you'll be having with yourself and in our community. So I look forward to seeing you and can't wait till for our our next episode to drop. Thank you so much. I hope you have nothing short of a beautiful fucking day. Peace y'all.